Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis. On the show, we unpack the truths and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Joint Action Podcast, where we have the opportunity to talk about feet, and specifically the foot bone being connected to the knee bone. How can shoes or insoles help knee osteoarthritis? So people with knee osteoarthritis may experience abnormal knee joint loading, meaning that certain parts of their knees for example, the inside or medial compartment is loaded more compared to the outside or lateral compartment. Research in gait laboratories or biomechanical research has shown that some shoes can increase medial knee loads more than others. And therefore, clinical guidelines commonly recommend appropriate footwear for knee osteoarthritis. Many types of shoes exist, including stable supportive shoes, flat flexible shoes, and unloader shoes. However, it often remains unclear what shoes are best, what are most appropriate for a person that has knee osteoarthritis. Now I know for many of you, you go out and buy shoes on a regular basis and you're often wondering, how can this help my knee? Well, on this week's episode of Joint Action, we're joined by Professor Rana Hinman to discuss how shoes or insoles or inserts can help with knee osteoarthritis. Professor Rana Hinman is a research physiotherapist and National Health and Medical Research Council Senior Research Fellow at the Center for Health, Exercise and Sports Medicine at the University of Melbourne. Her research focuses on clinical trials of non-drug, non-surgical treatment strategies for osteoarthritis, in particular, exercise, rehabilitation, and biomechanical interventions. Hi, Rana, welcome to the show. 
Thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure and it's a good chance to have a chat again. Now, for anybody who's listening out there who's used to me asking these introductory probing questions where we torture the poor guest and ask them about all kinds of personal details, I'm not going to do that in this instance because Rana has been very kind and generously contributed her time before um, and answered some of those questions. So that's episode 15 for those of you that want to go back and listen to that on core capabilities that we did with Martin van der Esch. So we're going to get straight into the content of today's topic, which obviously is about how shoes and insoles can help in a person that has knee osteoarthritis. But before we ask about what effects they might have, I just want to understand mechanistically, why might the foot play a role in loading for people that have different types of knee osteoarthritis, whether that be on the inside or medial side for the tibiofemoral joint, whether that be outside or lateral tibiofemoral joint, or the patellofemoral joint, the joint behind the kneecap. Why, why might the foot mechanistically play a role in loading? It's a good question. And it's all linked to really the way the biomechanics of the leg and the, the lower limb and the joints of the lower limb work. And some listeners may have heard the term closed kinetic chain. So that's kind of what we're talking about here, because when you're walking or standing or in any weight-bearing position or activities like running or jogging, the foot is relative fixed to the ground. And what happens in that closed kinetic chain is that the forces that are applied to the foot travel actually higher up past the foot and ankle and up through the other joints of the lower limb. And because those forces are initiated at the foot and begin there and are transmitted up the leg, it means that if we can make modifications to our shoes or perhaps to design features within footwear or using orthotics or inserts that we place into the shoes, we can adjust what's happening at the foot and when the foot contacts the ground during walking. And then that can have an effect higher up the, the lower limb chain. And so can potentially and theoretically change what happens to the biomechanics around the knee joint in either a good way or potentially a not so good way, depending on what you do at the foot. Yeah. And so where, where's that information come from? What types of studies have they gleaned the importance of foot and its role in relation to loading at the knee? Is that based on just simple observation or other, or other studies? Yeah, no, it comes from quite really quite complex biomechanical studies that we do in quite complicated research laboratories that are basically focused on gait analysis and so usually require really quite complicated equipment with lots of of cameras to view a person walking from all sorts of different angles for example in in our lab at the university of melbourne we've got 12 cameras in our gait laboratory so we can see how people's joints are moving in all sorts of different angles and usually also combined with force plates in the ground or the floor of the laboratory so we can measure the forces that are traveling up through the joint. So there's actually been quite a, a lot of research done over lots of years to understand what normal walking looks like and how our joints move normally when we're walking. And when I say normally, I guess what I'm meaning is in healthy people who don't have any health condition or disease 
pathology or pain in their joints. And we can combine that with other measures, for example, EMG measures of muscle activity. So we can understand how the muscles are working within the foot and the, and the leg while people are walking. And we can put all of that information together to get quite detailed information about the biomechanics. One of the challenges with this type of research, though, is we really are quite stuck with measuring exactly what is happening inside the knee joint, for example, because if you think about it, to actually measure force inside the knee joint, we'd have to put a sensor inside someone's knee. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be signing up for that type of research myself. There is some research out there where that actually has been done, where Patients who are undergoing, for example, a knee replacement might choose to have a very special knee replacement in that, that has the ability to measure forces and then participate in research so we can measure these sorts of things. But that type of research is pretty rare. So largely we have to me measure what we would call you know, proxy measures or indirect markers of what we think are really important biomechanical parameters and assume that these indicate what's happening within the knee joint, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's a great, great explanation. And so obviously those biomechanical studies have the inference from that is that the foot uh, has an important role to play in knee loading and potentially a ripe opportunity for intervention. And, you know, I know a lot of people wear different types of shoes um, and try to do so in a way that is thoughtful and meaningful for their general mobility. Now, for the next type of question, I'm happy to take this in whatever type of direction you want, Rana, but I'm wondering whether we may not be better off dividing it into the type of knee osteoarthritis and then talk about what interventions are suitable for different types of knee osteoarthritis and then make some touch points about uh, heels and bare feet. But if you're happy to, I guess... One of the areas that you've really contributed to greatly here is thinking about what interventions might be suitable for a person that has medial tibiofemoral osteoarthritis. So that's osteoarthritis between the tibia and the femur on the inside of the knee. What interventions have been tested and or trialed? And what are the results of those interventions when we're talking about interventions related to the feet? Yeah, and it's a really good starting point, I think, because osteoarthritis in the inner part of the knee is one of the really common um, patterns of OA that we see. And it's really important, I think, before we talk about the interventions to understand what's typically happening when we walk in that inner compartment or that medial compartment of the knee. And I talked before about the ground reaction force when the foot hits the ground. What happens with that force as it travels up the leg is it tends to create a force at the knee joint that puts more pressure on that inner compartment of the knee joint. So more force there. And there's been quite a lot of research looking at, well, what happens? Is this a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And increasing amounts of research are certainly suggesting that greater forces around the medial knee joint compartment actually might increase a person's risk of their osteoarthritis progressing within that medial compartment of the knee. People look at progression in different ways. It might be by looking at the, the makeup of the cartilage or looking at x-rays. And there's certainly also some evidence that higher forces in that medial compartment can also be linked to the amount of knee pain that you feel. And so because of what we know from those biomechanical studies, one of the, the key things that we've been trying to do with interventions is target those medial knee joint forces 
trying to reduce them using things such as footwear or insoles. And so some of the early work started around insoles, so looking at orthotics that you sort of insert into the shoe. And a lot of that work was done around what's known as lateral wedges. And so I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with that. It's essentially an orthotic that you slip into your shoe and it's a bit thicker or higher on the outer aspect of the wedge and thinner medially or the inner part of your foot. And so the idea behind those sort of lateral wedges is to change the biomechanics of the lower limb and realign the knee and reduce or lower that force over the medial knee joint compartment. There's been lots of research looking at lateral wedges and lots of biomechanical studies have shown that they do achieve that biomechanical effect that we want them to. So that is that the peak force reduces when a person puts them in their shoe. Unfortunately, when we take that research to clinical trials where we get a whole bunch of patients with medial knee osteoarthritis who suffer from pain, we give them these orthotics and ask them to wear them you know, every day for a, for a chunk of time, maybe three or six months. What we've found is that it actually, even though there's these biomechanical benefits, it doesn't translate to a reduction in knee pain or any improvement in their symptoms. So they don't seem to have any clinical benefit. So more recently, we've started to look at, well, what about changing the shoe itself? Because there are some problems with putting inserts in people forget to do it you change your shoes you don't put your orthotics in and they can be quite uncomfortable because they reduce the amount of room in in your shoe so in certainly in our research we've seen people have quite a bit of discomfort with blisters and all sorts of things happening around their feet and so this led to a number of researchers including our group looking at well let's change the whole design of the shoe and can we build these wedged features into the sole or into the shoe itself. And so people might have heard about unloading shoes. And there's a few of these shoes around where what happens is the sole of the shoe is made of different densities. So it's stiffer laterally, so more rigid compared to the inner aspect. Um, and we, we've done and worked with a, a footwear company, um, ASICS. Many people might be familiar, might, might own a pair of ASICS shoes to develop some unloading shoes And again, we show that it can have these positive biomechanical effects at the knee joint. But unfortunately, when we did a large clinical trial where we got people to wear these unloading shoes for six months, these shoes didn't change pain any more than sort of a conventional walking shoe. So we're not quite sure why that is, but that's sort of what where the field started for for people with, you know, medial knee osteoarthritis. And Lately, there's been a a bit of a shift towards looking to more minimalist types of shoes, which people might have heard of, particularly um, out there in the more sporting environment or in the running field. There's often a lot of attention on minimalist shoes because they're believed to be better if if you're um, better for your technique and may, you know, maybe, maybe better for injury prevention in runners. And certainly some of the design features of these sort of we call them flat, flexible shoes in the context of osteoarthritis there. We've recently conducted a clinical trial to have a look and see if, well, maybe a, these kinds of shoes might be good for people. But our recent trial actually shows that they are actually not the best type of shoe for people with medial OA. And the best type of shoe is actually a more stable, supportive shoe that supports the arch of the foot and has cushioning. 
And so that's what we've recently shown. And so that would be the type of shoe that I'd advise for people with sort of inner compartment knee osteoarthritis. So obviously the trials don't suggest a benefit from lateral heel wedges. They don't suggest a benefit in terms of pain from different densities in the sole, but there is some suggestion of benefit or at least a positive effect compared to the barefoot star technology in the stable, supportive, soft shoes. Is it a benefit or is it just a benefit compared to the barefoot star technology? This is always one of the challenges of a clinical trial of footwear because what is your comparison group? You know, people don't walk around in bare feet. It's not, you know, typically safe. So it's always from a clinical trial, it's always going to be relative to the comparison. And what we're talking about with our recent trial was the benefits of this stable supportive shoe were compared to the really different shoe, which is this flexible minimalist style of shoe pain relief or pain reduction is better with a stable supportive shoe that has cushioning features and support to the arches of the feet. Just a couple of other comments. So one one is there's been an interest in, I guess, having unstable bases to the shoe. So the I think it's called MBT type shoe technology. Mm. And there's been some recent trials in osteoarthritis related to that. Any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, and we've certainly done a a little bit of work looking at those unstable shoes, and they were really in vogue a few years back, probably five to ten years ago, I would say. Um, And, again, it kind of is a little bit related to some of the theory behind these minimalist shoes, which all stems from, you know, maybe we should be mimicking what our ancestors used to do, which is walking around in a, a more barefoot, natural posture. And that's certainly what these MBT-style shoes do. They're, they're more unstable, and biomechanical research shows they can reduce the force across the inner compartment of the knee joint, but there's not really any robust evidence, again, that that will change symptoms at the knee joint. They seem to promote activity of the muscles. Because they're unstable, your muscles have to work a little bit harder. And I think some of the unanswered questions there, which it's quite simplistic when we think about how do we measure forces at the knee we have to think about increasing muscle activity is not necessarily always good for the joint because that can put force across the joint itself and so I think you know certainly we don't tend to see as many of those unstable shoes I think on the market as certainly when they're in vogue you know a number of years ago. Bottom line for knee osteoarthritis on the inside of the knee, the medial tibia femoral joint would be at this point in time, based upon the data from trials, it would be to go with a stable supportive shoe with a soft sole. Correct. Yep. Correct. Okay. Another large proportion of people that have knee osteoarthritis have arthritis behind their kneecap, what we in the medical community call patellofemoral osteoarthritis. What differences would you propose there in terms of interventions and is there any evidence at this point from trials to support that? It's a good question and it's one that's perhaps even made a little bit more complex because quite often patellofemoral joint osteoarthritis coexists with medial compartment disease and relative to the research that we have with medial compartment osteoarthritis, there's far, far less in people with patellofemoral joint osteoarthritis. 
But what we do know from another condition in younger people, which known as patellofemoral pain syndrome, is that there is some evidence that medial arch supports can be beneficial for helping the symptoms there in those patients. And so a lot of clinicians and researchers will sort of extrapolate that research evidence to people with patellofemoral joint OA. And there's certainly some theory that suggests that supporting the arches of the foot may help with the biomechanics of the patellofemoral joint. Unfortunately, if we look for research evidence specifically in people with patellofemoral joint osteoarthritis, there's actually very little. And in fact, off the top of my head, I can really only think of some very small pilot feasibility studies that have looked at arch supports. And what they've done is they've put arch supports or one the, the pilot study I'm thinking of put arch supports in a conventional sort of stable supportive shoe And although it was a very small study, so we can't read a lot into the data, really didn't see a lot of differences with respect to pain over and above what a sort of stable supportive shoe with with arch supports within it could offer a person. So at the moment, as I said, the caveat is that we don't have any uh, robust clinical trial evidence in this space, but I would be recommending a fairly similar shoe to what what we would recommend for somebody with a medial osteoarthritis. The only thing I would comment on there is with the patellofemoral joint, it is particularly susceptible to the height of a heel or, or the thickness of a heel. And that's just because the thicker the heel, the more your knee needs to bend a little bit. And so that can put more pressure through the, the kneecap. So people should be perhaps looking for not necessarily the the highest thickest chunkiest supportive shoes that are on the market because let's be honest there's you walk into a shoe shop and there's a whole range of you know supportive um, motion control shoes there but just to be be aware of that and sometimes you know we all experience this with footwear sometimes it's a bit of some shoe styles just don't suit you and your body and it's a bit of trial and error and and trying different shoes and so that's just something to be aware of I think with patellofemoral pain. And is an extension of your comment there about heel height in general or is it specifically as it relates to joggers and and trainers that people might be walking in as it particularly as it relates to arthritis behind the kneecap and heel height and references that have occurred in the literature over time related to heel height? Look, I think I think there's certainly the comment around heel height, I think, applies generally to people with osteoarthritis because I'm sure we'll probably t- touch on it in a moment or at some point about looking at high heel shoes. Perhaps shall I talk about that now, seeing as you've brought it up? So there's been lots of lots of research looking at high heeled shoes or, or the height of a heel on a shoe and what it does. And we know that shoes fairly um, confidently that walking in shoes with higher heels, even moderately high heels, because often people think about high heels being, you know, really towering high stilettos. And of course, they're the extreme example, but moderately high heels as well will increase the loads across the knee joint. And there typically we see that in a number of planes of motion at the knee joint. So Yes, it does happen in that sagittal plane, which is the plane of movement that affects the patellofemoral joint. 
but it also affects in the in the frontal plane as well and will put more pressure over the medial joint compartment. So heel height is something that all people or you know all people with osteoarthritis should be really conscious of and, and looking at and really really trying to avoid shoes with higher heels just because of those biomechanical effects. And look, it doesn't just have bad effects, you know, negative effects on the knee joint. High heels, they put the calf into a shortened position. They change the biomechanics right up the, to the, the lumbar spine and at the pelvis and can contribute to back pain. So there's all sorts of reasons why avoiding high heels is a good thing. Relatively insensitive with my next comment, particularly given that it was International Women's Day yesterday. But the general sentiment of what you're saying is whilst aesthetically pleasing, from the viewpoint of the mechanics of the lower limb, and particularly as it relates to knee joint loads, high heels are something we shouldn't advocate for and we should actively recommend against? Yes. As a researcher, if you put my back to the wall, yes, I have to say that because that's what the evidence says. But I'm also pretty pragmatic and also recognise that it's really hard to often do an all or none recommendation. And, you know, we're, we're thinking about people wearing higher heels all day, day in, day out that is really something to avoid you know is it going to be the end of the world if someone wore a heel for a you know a special function think about the heels that you choose is what I would say then rather than saying you know you've got to wear your runners to a wedding with a fancy you know with a fancy ball gown just think about you know people should think about the the height of the heel thinking about taking the shoes off if they can you'll see you see um, a lot of a lot of people these days will wear runners into the office before they switch into a shoe that they, they wear this so thinking about how if you do want to or need to wear a high heel shoe thinking about what you can do in your day about minimizing the amount of time you spend in it is something that that i think is also really worth mentioning fantastic practical and very diplomatic advice thanks runner so the next portion of the knee that we haven't considered yet but i think is critically important in this conversation is the outside of the knee or lateral tibiofemoral osteoarthritis. What information do we have there for people that have knee osteoarthritis? And it's and again, mindful of the comments that you made before. So the two most common compartments of the knee that get affected are on the inside and behind the kneecap. This is probably about 10% of people that have knee osteoarthritis. So it's a much smaller segment of the community that tend to have the knock knees. What advice can we give to people that might have that type of knee osteoarthritis? Yeah, it's really complicated by the fact that there is so little research in this group of people, which is probably driven by exactly what you've just said, the fact that they are relatively rare compared to the other groups of people. And the, the interesting thing is the biomechanics of these people are quite different. So whereas the goal of treatment with someone with medial compartment osteoarthritis would be to reduce the force on the inner or the medial compartment, with the lateral compartment, we want to reduce the force over that outer compartment. And so the way that we might do it intuitively might be by intervening or doing opposite to what we do for the other compartment. And really the only literature or evidence that is out there has been with inserts. So I talked earlier about lateral wedges. So the opposite of a lateral wedge is a medial wedge where it's, a, it's an orthotic that you pop into the shoe and it's stiffer, um, more rigid under the, the medial compartment. So probably a bit similar to a, a support you might see under the medial arch, but 
a wedge is typically a flat, it's not contoured. And there has been one small study quite a, you know, a while ago now that certainly provided some preliminary evidence that that sort of orthotic or support under that medial side of the foot could help people with lateral osteoarthritis. We have tried to evaluate it in a trial looking at footwear for people with lateral compartment disease, but we had to actually, unfortunately, with the advent of COVID and all the difficulties in the lockdowns that we had in Melbourne and how long our research was impacted for, we actually had to halt that trial early because recruitment was so, so challenging for that trial. We wanted 110 people, but only were able to get 40 people And in that study, we were aiming to compare a shoe with medial arch support, sort of as an extension of that medial wedge study I talked about, and compare that to a a more neutral shoe that doesn't support the arches of the foot to actually confirm this hypothesis that supporting the, you know, more medial support will help redirect those forces a little bit laterally. But unfortunately, as I said, we had to stop the trial early and we can't really glean anything from that data. And so it is really difficult at the moment to provide an evidence-based recommendation. But really, I would probably say if we're extrapolating from the medial wedged data, you would probably still go with some footwear that is supporting the that medial arch or you know stiffer on the medial side of the shoe or indeed p- potentially I'd be um, you know for often lateral compartment osteoarthritis is associated with often more malalignment of the knee joint than what we might see medially those people might be best to start potentially consider the trialing benefits of bracing perhaps to try and get those biomechanical effects because we do know we can get some biomechanical effects through bracing not necessarily whether they'll translate to improved symptoms we just need more research in this area unfortunately fantastic summary Um, and obviously by the sound of it both for arthritis behind the kneecap and arthritis in the lateral or outside of the knee sounds like we, we need better evidence to support recommendations but whilst we can make some gentle suggestions we can't make firm recommendations in the absence of that evidence any other tips or general recommendations that you might have either with regards shoes and or physical activity loading and or surfaces that people work on walk on for osteoarthritis one of the things that we has been quite eye-opening to us since we've been doing our footwear research is, I think, how much people neglect their footwear. So when we've done our trials, we often get our, our patients to bring in their most commonly worn shoes, a few samples of them in so we can have a look at them and we take photos and have a look at them. And we ask them how old they are. And you'd be shocked at how, I mean, I'm shocked at how old. And it's like, I don't know whether... I think it's probably a couple of things, whether it's just something that people don't worry about, don't want to go and buy shoes, or maybe they're just a pair of old favourites and no one can bear to part with their shoes. People don't appreciate how quickly shoes and the soles wear down. And so people need to really be in tune with how old their shoes are, what quality quality are they now, and are they still offering the support and all of the features that we buy footwear for. So, you know, it's all very well to go and buy a shoe that offers cushioning and medial arch support, but, but if you've worn it running or jogging or even walking for, you know, three years, those shoes probably aren't going to be as effective as they were. So that's probably the first thing I would say is just be conscious of that. 
And I think comfort is a really important thing with footwear and every, particularly with people with knee osteoarthritis where we know that exercise and physical activity is such an important aspect of core management and really we need to be encouraging and getting everybody exercising more. This is particularly important for people with OA, including doing more steps per day. In order to do that, having comfortable footwear that feel good and, you know, help encourage you to go walking is so important. So I would really encourage people to invest in a, you know, a reasonably good quality, comfortable pair of walking shoes that fit well, that aren't too small, that don't rub, and just so that it really does enable and facilitate that sort of participation in exercise that we know is so important. Wonderful advice. Now, any other final closing remarks on the topic or any resources uh, that you'd like to point people towards that you think may be helpful that we could include in the show notes? Probably the only thing, and, and it's, it's fairly basic information, but the Better Health Channel from the Victoria government does have a nice little um, tips sheet about choosing footwear and how to, how to choose appropriate footwear. And I think that's had input from podiatrists into this and there's a some advice also on that channel about footwear and healthy feet as well because you know we've talked you know this conversation that we've had has been focused on on knees but footwear is also so important for foot health and people get osteoarthritis in their feet and we've talked about the link between knees and feet so I think people often don't understand basic tips about how to choose the best shoes so better health channel have a look there yeah, we'll include a link to that in the show notes for people who are particularly interested. So that's superb. Now we're going to get on to the, uh, the probing interrogating questions to get to know Rana's personal interests a little bit better. We're going to start with a rapid fire round. Favourite book? It would have to be any of Stephen King's early books. Not so much a fan of his later ones. Favourite movie? Jaws. <laughs> you look a bit shocked there, David. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> But it's the movie that whenever it's on TV, it was something I loved as a kid, and it's the movie that whenever it's on TV, I have to watch. Yeah. As someone who ocean swims, who sees these people being taken by sharks not infrequently, it does make you a little bit concerned. But anyway, let's not go into that. I love sharks. Dog or a cat person? Dog all the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> favourite quote? You only live once. Good motto. What's your favourite food? I've got to pick two here. Prawns and chocolate, but not together, obviously, separately. <laughs> you haven't seen them ever come together? They, they put lots of things in chocolate these days. Oh, no, I don't think I want a prawn in chocolate. <laughs> Do you have a bad habit? Yeah, that would have to be checking my work emails all the time <laughs> after work on weekends, just because I hate my inbox piling up. Very bad habit. Where would you like to go on holiday next? Well, anywhere, but I particularly love Italy. I would love to go back there, but COVID makes travel a bit difficult. We're off to the Whit Sunday, so looking forward to that. Another beautiful part of the world. What superpower would you have if you could have one? Mind reading. If you could meet anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Sir David Attenborough. Wonderful man. Now, what would you do if money were not an issue? Oh, I would retire, quit working, because I have to, and spend my time traveling the world. Great idea. Now, we're just going to get into a couple of these closing questions. I haven't managed time particularly well, but why do you do what you do? What motivates you? 
I love to think and I love a challenge and I guess I'm a really curious personality and just love knowledge. So for me, my job as a researcher where I'm continually pursuing new knowledge really feels more like a privilege than a job. And the benefit of that is, you know, combined with being a, you know, a a physio and having a really healthy respect for good health and having belief that everybody should aspire to good health means that I get to do my job, but also, you know, help people with chronic joint pain, find new ways of being able to manage that and, you know, live their best life despite having pain. I hope you get to continue to make the important difference that you do do. Now, is there one piece of advice, knowledge or wisdom you would give to people who have osteoarthritis in closing? There's lots of advice. One, I think, is to not get too hung up on labels and medical terms and going, I've got osteoarthritis, I can't, or I can't do this, or this is going to happen. I think my message is focus on what you can do and what you you can do to manage your condition and continue to do what you want to do um, and improve your situation rather than focus on a a medical term that really doesn't really tell us what's going on or or what's going to happen to you in the future. Empowering, proactive advice. And I hope people follow through with uh, your general recommendations there. Rana, thank you so much again for generously volunteering your time your thoughts your insights on such an important topic great pleasure to have a chance to have a chat to you about it and spend some time together thank you thanks for having me back so i'm hoping you found the content of today's episode helpful i know for many of you you're often thinking about what shoe might be optimal for loading and for mobility when you have knee osteoarthritis unfortunately it often bogs down in scientific terminology and so i've tried to keep that as simple as we can so in general for people that have medial osteoarthritis so that's osteoarthritis on the inside of the knee professor hinman's recommendation was stable supportive shoes for patellofemoral or arthritis behind the kneecap or lateral or outside of the knee tibiofemoral osteoarthritis current research evidence is not conclusive but at least for patellofemoral or kneecap arthritis, the recommendations would be consistent. You know, some support on the inner arch and stable supportive shoes. And likewise for lateral tibiofemoral osteoarthritis outside of the knee, we might also suggest support of the medial side of the foot. Again, a complicated area, but it's critically important that you seek the right advice. And if you're concerned, go along and see a local podiatrist, get some support around the foot to ensure that you can walk comfortably and wear these shoes comfortably. We want to promote activity. We want to promote you being active outside of the home. And so as such, we really want you to have supportive shoes to enable that to occur. It's an area where there's a lot of research happening, but a lot more research needs to be done. One other tip that Rana gave was really trying to avoid, where possible, the use of high heels, because we know that from a knee loading perspective, that's likely to be deleterious. Again, hoping that you found the content helpful. 
constructive, practical. For those of you that want to dig further into this topic, we'll include some of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support of the Joint Action Podcast. And between now and when I next speak to you, please do take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, visit www.jointaction.info. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. The information posted on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Anyone seeking medical advice should consult a health professional. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.